Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that likes the fact that tomorrow's game is being played in front of an almost empty Old Trafford. Why? Because it will take us right back to the 89th minute on October the 23rd, 2011, when they couldn't leave quick enough. It will surprise you not in the least to discover that today we're focusing all of our attention on this weekend's game, the 183rd Manchester Derby. It's a derby that features two of the shrewdest coaching minds of their generation, and sitting further down the touchline from Pep Guardiola and Juan Mo Leo is a caretaker cheerleader who looks like an extra from Labyrinth. But wait, because this caretaker cheerleader has outwitted Pep three times in the past three months. He can't do it again, can he? To discuss this and much more, I'm delighted to be joined today by our resident voice of reason, Lloyd Scragg, along with a debutant who some of you will be already familiar with, BBC Radio Manchester and Manchester City's Kyle Walker. Firstly, welcome aboard, Kyle. You well, pal? I'm really good, mate. I'm looking forward to this weekend. I feel like derbies these days are actually exciting, not when I was a kid and I didn't know what was going to happen. That is the perfect spirit. That's exactly how I'm taking it too, yeah. I mean, as opposed to someone like Howard, who is a bag of nerves before every derby. How about you, Lloyd? Are you looking forward to tomorrow? Yeah, mate, I'm uh, I'm buzzing. I'm liking the positive vibes from Kyle. Um, Absolutely. Nothing. There's nothing better than beating the rags, is there? So nothing crossed. worse than losing to them. <laughs> well, yeah, true. That's happened a few times recently, but I think we've got to have confidence that um, after what's happened, I think Pep's going to have a plan, isn't he? Well, on that note, on how good it feels to win and how awful it feels to lose, uh, we'll start with you, Kyle. The six-one aside, which is you know an obvious one, I guess. What's your favourite ever derby? Oh, see. Thinking of that question, it does take me back to the good old days, which I do I do call them, where we didn't actually know what was going to happen. Now, I think that I expect us to at least put up a fight against uh, Manchester United and probably beat them. But it, it's got to be the 3-1 uh, where Sean Gota nicks <laughs> the ball off Gary Neville uh, and scores. And it's just kind of, that is one of the moments where... As a, as a kid going back to primary school on the Monday, I actually had something to smile about and to laugh at them about. And it was probably once every few years that I had that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I treasure that memory right there. And, and what about the derby that keeps you up at night still? It's got to be when Wayne Rooney scored at Old Trafford. Uh, it was in in one of the cups. I can't even. I think I've just blocked it out completely. And he did the the cartwheel celebration. Yeah. Um. And I was yeah at Old Trafford. I was in the away end, and I remember just seeing him flipping through the air. And yeah, that still kind of keeps me up at night. It's still one of those moments where absolute heartbreak it's like that first that first heartbreak in a relationship <laughs> i had many of them with man city uh, so yeah that was just another one of those I, I, I fall in love with the club and then they break my heart that's a weird thing about derbies for me it's like if you lost at main road or the etihad it obviously hurt and it was, wasn't pleasant but you could just basically get in your car go home old trafford it was horrible to lose at old trafford if you were there and you were stuck behind for like you know 20 minutes afterwards and they're playing their horrible music and oh it, it was 10 times worse to lose at their place i thought um lloyd what's your favorite ever derby great question i i think to be honest mine's probably the same as kyle's that's the first that's the first derby that i, I really remember and i was there um very young at that point um, but I just remember Goat and nicking it off Nev, and uh, and, and just sliding it under Barthez. Oh, it's so weird so how good. he does it as well. I've I've seen it 
500 times now. And Good pace from the goat, to be fair. Yeah, you? yeah. What's um, Gary no, was, doing? Well, what was Neville doing? He looked, he looked like a right mug as well with his hands on his head. That was... <laughs> That's an iconic photo. I've actually I got my dad um, that kind of photo for Christmas a few years back. Um, I think the Vinny one obviously springs to mind. Yeah. Um, I think the other one actually, just from a, a, a pure like piss take kind of Burt point of view, is when we won a couple of years ago at Old Trafford and we were just dicking around in the corner. I can't remember. Whether yeah. it was oh, three one. I love that one. The two nil, but yeah, when Bernardo and. And Walker was being thrown the ball and just like bouncing off his legs, being like, "Oh, now where has it gone now?" How did how did um, Walker get away with that? That's a booking all day long. <laughs> it was it was just so good. It was just we were just managing it so, so nicely, and to take the piss like that in their own backyard, it, uh, yeah, I don't think you can beat that. Yeah, you love um, a bit of a of shithousery, don't you? When it's your team, especially when it's against your biggest rivals, I and mean, when Kyle Walker was doing that. In front of the United fans as well, he's just kicking the ball back to the ball boy and blaming the ball boy as well. Oh, yeah, it just it puts a big smile on your face. I remember Herrera spitting on the kind of city crest as he, at half time, <laughs> I think it was, and it, it was such a pathetic <laughs> attempt at shithousery from them. It kind of rebounded. I actually found it quite funny. I thought, God, that's how desperate they are these days to try and kind of get under our skin. You know, to try and you know to spit on a club crest. It's so see through. I mean. How we did it was far better. Um, yeah, I'm a touch older than you guys. I, I The 5-1 will always be, and 89 will always be my favourite. Just a perfect fair, day, fair. an absolute perfect day. Uh, as for the worst, the 4-3 at Old Trafford with the illegal Michael Owen goal. Oh, uh, it's just, that was bad. It, it was beyond the seventh, seventh minute of, of added on time. It, it shouldn't have stood. Um, yeah. I, that's Do one you know what's... What's funny about that one is I've actually interviewed Michael Owen about six times now as part of this big series that we've been doing. And every single time we have to talk about that moment and the derbies that he scored in. And I have to try to not bring it up and kind of like get really angry um, about it. (laughs) I think that every City fan feels that way because the celebration and the way that it happened, oh, it was just, it was gutting. I'd love to interview Michael Owen and just kind of mention to him how many goals he scored, but just reduce it by one because that should not. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, looking ahead to this weekend, uh, Kyle, how do you think Pat will set us up? Um, a double pivot midfield, maybe with uh, the expectation that that Solskjaer will go with a counter attack inside. I think if you if you look at what happened last season, the fact that they did the double over us, and you see how quick they can counter attack. I mean. It's easy to laugh at Manchester United and look at the position that they are in. They've just crashed out of the Champions League. They are actually a very good set of players when they when they decide to turn up, mm. especially with Bruno Fernandes, Martial on his day, Rashford. We know what he can do as well. So they are very, very fast. I think Pep will try and counter that. And we have seen this kind of double pivot with Gundogan and Rodri. It'll be interesting because obviously he started Fernandinho um, midweek as well. So I'd love to see Fernandinho because somebody explained what he does and he puts out the fire. And I think that's a perfect way Mm. of actually summing up what Fernandinho brings to that that side. Whenever a a counter-attack inside get the ball, he knows how to tactical foul. He knows how to bring somebody down. He knows how to cut out the pass. So I'd love to see him playing, but I think he will set up with that double pivot. We'll look at Rodri, Gundogan, 
I wouldn't be surprised as well if we did see Aguero start. I know that he's probably not match fit, but he can turn it on and he is a, a natural born goal scorer. We know what he can do with the ball at his feet. So I'd love to see him on as well and, and just go for it, really. Uh, Lloyd, where do you expect City to find the most joy and what aspects concern you? Oh, tough question. Um, I, I think the concern for me comes kind of from what Kyle was saying a bit there, which is I think recently games against United have been won and lost in kind of in transition in midfield where we failed to stop uh, basically the, the springs of those counter-attacks. So the balls, you know, in behind into the channels that Rashford, Martial, etc. run into. I think the, the one at the Etihad um, last season was the best example. I mean, we were just getting torn apart move after move. It was actually, it was actually quite difficult to watch. Um, so I'm kind of hoping, I'm, this is going to sound a bit facetious, but I'm kind of hoping that Rodri's niggle just carries on a little bit just mm. for this weekend and Ferner can kind of come in because I think obviously Pep loves Rodri. He's started more, uh, played more minutes than any, any, any of our players in the Premier League outfield this season. So, yeah, I'm kind of hoping Ferner plays. Um, I think that could really help. Um, if not, I, I mean, it probably is going to be Gundo and Rodri, isn't it? Um, in terms of where we can have the most joy, I mean, it should be up against their backline, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, City's, City's strength is our attack, or, I mean, it has been in recent years. Maybe not as much this season, but, you know, I think you'd still fancy De Bruyne, Sterling, Mares, Jesus, whoever plays, to, to pull you know, Maguire and Lindelof all around the place and kind of get them get them in spaces that they're not comfortable. You know, having said that, they've obviously actually been quite comfortable again in recent games against us, but I think we've not done nearly enough. So I think what we need to do is do what we did in that 3-1 um, at Old Trafford in the Cup last season where Mares and Raz and Jesus all managed to get kind of in behind and we moved the ball really quickly. So, you know, when you play, when Lindelof and Maguire play with their back to goal and they've got a bit of space in behind them they're terrible I don't think they're very good in in big spaces if they're you know in and around their box I think obviously they're, they're a lot more comfortable particularly when they play five at the back so I think City just need to just need to kind of pin on that really yeah I mean a problem I think United have got is five at the back suits them and it particularly suits them in this particular game but on occasion and too many occasions as well They've had a defensive implosion when they've gone with three three centre backs, um, you know Lindelof, Shaw, and Maguire in particular, and they can't be trusted anymore. So personally, I think they're going to go with a double six in midfield, like they did last year at the Etihad. So essentially playing six across the back, really. Um, it worked for them last year, but it required thirty nine clearances, which is a staggering amount. Um, can they be kind of relied upon to do that again? And kind of you know. Um, 90 minutes at the Alamo yet again I don't know so it, it's a real dilemma I think for Solskjaer um, yeah but if we do go with two sixes uh, in midfield and we do play the double pivot ourselves I think it could be a very low scoring game um, I'm predicting 1-0 but we'll get to that at the end of, end of the show right let's stick with United for a moment because I don't know what to make of them this season at all Um Kyle, they're above us in the league. They're unbeaten away from home. They've had some terrific results, kind of comebacks. Um, it's been a real topsy-turvy season. And yet we keep hearing that Solskjaer's job's on the line. What, what do you make of, of the Reds? 
Oh, I mean, I spend a lot of time with one of them every single <laughs> evening. <laughs> so it's it's interesting because you see with Manchester United, they have this great start to the Champions League and then they beat PSG, they beat Leipzig in the go. The group of death, what? No, we're fine. We're going to get through this. Yes, Solskjaer's here. We know the famous words of Rio Ferdinand. Um, just give him what he wants. He slapped the table. And I think that summed up perfectly what Manchester United fans felt when Solskjaer first joined. And then slowly they've seen that it doesn't really matter who is the manager if the board aren't going to back them. We saw it with Mourinho Look at Mourinho now at Tottenham. Look at how high he's flying because he's got someone in Daniel Levy who actually trusts him. He's bringing in the players that he needs and he believes that will do the job that, that he knows they can do. He never got that at Manchester United and Solskjaer, he's experiencing the same right now. Yes, he's been able to bring in uh, Harry Maguire and he's been able to bring in Bruno Fernandes great players but it doesn't seem to be working consistently and somebody summed it up perfectly where Manchester United are at on Twitter the other day they said if you ask 10 United fans to choose their best 11 you get 10 different teams <laughs> that's yeah. a massive problem and I think that is literally the perfect way to sum up Manchester United right now they've got the battle with Pogba everyone's going on about it he's he's very divisive and his agents very divisive with kind of the opinion that they create and they split between united fans anthony martial does the same is he good is he not good who knows they've got the god in bruno fernandez which they all believe is the savior and he's the the best midfielder in the world right now they're just very reactionary because when they do get beat and they crash out of the champions league and they go into the europa league they all go oh oh, wow, we didn't expect that. Mm. Well, why didn't you expect it? It's the way it's been for the past seven years, really. There doesn't seem to be any progression because there doesn't seem to be anything from the top trickling down to the grassroots, and I think they're going to continue to struggle. Lloyd, do, do you go along with that? Do you think there's a structural problem there at United more so than you know the personnel in charge? I mean, there definitely is. Um, the fact that they don't have a director of football is, is a joke. Mm. Um, I mean, what kind of... It's, it's mad that, you know, they call themselves the biggest football club in the world. Doesn't <clears throat> basically have someone in, like, the most senior position that you need to kind of pull the strings across all the different facets of your business. It's Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and they've got an advertising nerd in um, Woodward uh, trying to make football decisions, <laughs> which has obviously gone very poorly for them um, I'm not I don't go completely along with Kyle there in the, in the I'm not sure I, I think the managers have been backed I mean they've been given a, they've been given loads of money they've signed loads of players I think the problem is they sign the wrong players um, and they make they make poor punts and obviously Mourinho's record since has been you know he's kind of throwing a lot of uh a lot of water on I think what a lot of us were saying about him when he was at United I think he's going a little bit back to old Mourinho now but I think I think Solskjaer's you know I mean maybe they should you know they probably should have signed another centre-half or whatever but yeah I, I, I think they've they've still had a lot of money I think the problem is that yeah the, the they've got a bigger problem which is they're, they're not steering the right direction um, so yeah they probably are throwing money at it but they're doing it like, in a stupid way.
just quickly. Now, like, it, oh, sorry. Oh, go on. on. I was just going to jump in and just say, because I, I completely agree with that, Lloyd, actually. And actually, when you look at, they've spent so much. And I think this season, Net Spend FC comes out and everyone likes to talk about it. Manchester United have actually spent a lot. And compared to Net Spend, you go, oh, wow, they've not done that for, for a while. But are they buying the right players? I mean, is Cavani on a free transfer, bringing him in, is that the right type of player? Is Agallo on a loan, is that the t- right type of player for them? No, yeah, that's the, the answer. It's not, it's not, is it? And that isn't what they should be looking at. They've brought Dan James, they brought all these people in and all of a sudden United fans go, yes, this is incredible. Is it? Is that the Manchester United that we've seen over the years that's going to bring them back to success? I don't think so. Very, very quickly, Kyle, do you... Can you see Solskjaer at United by the end of the season? I hope so. And I actually, as a football <laughs> fan, uh, as a football <laughs> fan, I don't, I don't mean it in like a, a, saying it as for a Manchester City fan. It, mm. The league, the Premier League is more exciting when Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Manchester City, when you've got all these big teams, and I am including City in that, uh, when they're actually all competing for the league, that is what I find exciting. When it was Arsenal and United for all those years, Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger going head-to-head, I find that exciting. I want Manchester United to be one of these teams which they are competing because it makes it more exciting when Manchester City do beat them. It makes the derbies more exciting. So for me, I think long-term they need to keep him. They can't just keep chopping and changing but I think they will. And that's the kind of sad thing. I think that they will look at Pochettino. They'll look at other managers and go, oh, let's bring him in. Let's see if we can do any different. And the, the cycle will just continue. Lloyd, kind of same question to you. Do you think he'll be there at the end of the season? And should he be there at the end of the season? Uh, do I think he will be? I don't know. I think he might be, you know. Um, Solskjaer just has this mad ability to just, when he's at, when he's at the depths of kind of yeah. defeat and he's about to get snatched and pushed off the edge of the pirate ship, some knobhead just pulls out a rope and pulls him back in. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know, it's it's pretty crazy. I think he shouldn't be there at the end of the season. I mean, I don't think he's done a bad job. I think the one thing he has proven is that he can definitely set team. He can definitely set their team up in big games. They've had plenty of great results against good sides, um, albeit they do it by playing quite reductive football and counter-attacking. Um, but I mean, from a City fan's point of view, the worst case scenario, I think for us, is I don't want them to get Pochettino. I think that could, you know, I think that he could have a transformative effect on United because they've got, you know, they've still got quite a lot of stuff right. That that squad has got a lot of good players. And, you know, I think he'd be starting as a, on a much higher base, say, for example, than he did when he came into Spurs or whatever, when he had to, overhaul the team and the style of play so Poch coming in makes me fearful so I'm just hoping that they um, they trudge along with Ollie because he's um, got United blood and all that for a while um, <laughs> probably till the, hopefully till the end of the season Okay, um, I had to write something for a betting site this week um, on the chances of United ultimately finishing above City by the season's end uh, just to be clear, I was commissioned to write this. This was not my idea. <laughs> was that before or after they crashed out of the championship? It was the night. Tuesday night, I had to write it. I, I, I did three different openings to it. It was driving me insane because when it got to the last five minutes and it was like 3-2 again, it was like, oh, don't, please don't. I can't be asked rewriting it a fourth time. Um, yeah, and I was getting loads of flack, like, you know, well, well-intentioned flack on Twitter for it because I, I kind of um, 
made it public while I was writing and all City fans were kind of just essentially laughing at me. But yeah, a man's going to make a living, what can I say? <laughs> but anyway, Kyle, do you think this is remotely plausible that United can finish above City? Everything in me wants to say no, of course it's not. Manchester City will be up there with the Liverpools again at the end of the season. It'll be between us two for the Premier League. But there is something in me that just thinks it it could possibly happen. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they went on another run like they did um, when we we brought football back and they climbed all the way back up to third. They've got that kind of style in which it is very, very fast. And we've seen what they've been able to do when they've gone one down um, or they've conceded in the first half. We've seen they've been able to bring it back and, and get all three points throughout the season already. So... I think they will continue. I think the only reason why United would finish above Manchester City is up to Manchester City. Ultimately, it's if we keep on dropping points, if we draw games, if we don't completely annihilate teams like we've seen over the past few years. If we don't get back to doing that and we don't get back to putting together 18 win uh, runs uh, back to back, then that is why ultimately United could possibly finish above us. But, like I said, every single part of me says, no, it's not going to happen. Let's be realistic. United will drop off a little bit and City will will win, he says, hopefully. <laughs> he says, well, he says. <laughs> we're a quarter of the way through the season and they're above us legitimately at this stage. They've shown to have a great deal of spirit in their kind of comebacks, um, five comebacks all you know, kind of away from home. Um, that then there's a, a very away form in general, you know, a 100% success rate. They've got strikers who are scoring goals. Rashford's record is, is extremely impressive. Got players like Cavani as backup, whereas City don't, to be fair. Um, but there's things you can put out there. And, and also, you mentioned, Kyle, about their results post-lockdown. Um, I find they're a very streaky team under Solskjaer. And, and they can go on these 15-game unbeaten runs and then follow that by 10 games where they you know they look absolute piss poor. So, um they're capable of putting a run together, a sustained run. Um, Lloyd, do you think it's plausible? No. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. no it's, not it's not happening. It's not happening. Um, I, look, I, I can be quite pessimistic about these things, as I think people will know, but are United going to finish ahead of us in the league? No chance. Um, I think the signs are, over recent weeks, that we're starting to recover yeah, this level a bit. I think what we... Although, having said that, in that, we're now at that point where we need this big result because I said on the podcast yesterday, um, on the on the uh, members preview, I don't I don't feel like we've beaten a properly good team yet in the in the league, um, and I feel like here we are now. This is the moment we need us. We need a, we need to beat the Reds, but I just I just honestly can't foresee how they will finish ahead of us after thirty eight games. I, I think you could make a good case that Chelsea might I think you could make a good case that um, that Tottenham might and I would buy into both of those as much as I don't want to I can see it from from those teams point of view but honestly I cannot see how United finish ahead of us and that's not just me being a twat I genuinely don't believe it um, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not having it there we go I didn't believe it either and I had to do a thousand words believing it <laughs> That's going um, to get clipped and put on, like, United Report. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually kind of, you know, came round to the idea that it was plausible by the end. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think a lot depends on on this result this weekend as well. Four points clear, United will go, and obviously they'll have the momentum and the belief it'll come with beating City. Um, but I'm I'm totally with you, Lloyd. We haven't beat anyone substantial this season. There hasn't been that result yet, and I, I really think that tomorrow will be that result, the one that kind of. Not that we need to make make a statement, you know, with Manchester City, but it, it will indeed make a statement, I believe, anyway. Um, let's just walk, stay with United for one last question. Kyle, if you could take one United player on a Bosman, who would it be? Oh, I mean, if you look at... So I was talking about this yesterday. What United players actually get into this into this City yeah. side right now, I'd say Rashford, Bruno Fernandes. They're the only two that are a shoo-in. Behind that, you'd say Tellers. Um, I will go out there and say Pogba as well. I say, I say that I'd like to see Pogba under uh, Pep Guardiola. Yeah. So Pogba's the one that's coming to the end of his contract at some point quite soon. I don't think anyone's going to pay £90 million for him. Um, so I'd love to to see Pogba actually succeed at a Premier League team. So let's see what he could do with Pep Guardiola. <laughs> oh, imagine a poster, welcome to Manchester, Paul. It oh. would just be amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think Mino Raiola would actually do that as well. He'd probably pay yes. for it himself. <laughs> He's got enough Bob as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Lloyd, which United player would you take? Oh, horrible question. Um, yeah. I love Marcus Rashford. I, I really liked him before all the incredible humanitarian stuff that he's done. Um, and since then, he's just, I think in everyone's eyes, has just blossomed ridiculously. I think the, the kind of weight of responsibility that he takes upon his shoulders at his age is just r- ridiculous, to be honest. I mean, it shouldn't have to happen, quite frankly, but that he's willing to do it is is the measure of the man. And I, I think he's a, a great player. And he, in, in the last kind of 18 months, I think he's actually, he's clearly gone up a level in terms of his consistency. So if he wasn't a United fan, then I think you'd take Rashford all day. Uh, but he probably wouldn't want to play for us, would he? So I think it probably has to be Fernandez in that case. Um, the little... The little ratty boy, but um, he's a good player. <laughs> he could, he could definitely get, he could definitely play alongside Ke- Kev, I reckon. So, well, that, that, I would love to see that. To be fair, I've, I've got a weird one. Um, I've gone for one Bissaka. He's the kind of player who I'd love in the squad. You know, I'd love to have that purely defensive-minded player who, you know, he's he's a fantastic. As a pure defender, I think Wan-Bissaka is brilliant. Um, his stats are phenomenal, particularly so yeah, when he's at Palace. Um, and so if you are kind of, you know, away from home at Real Madrid or, for example, and you're just looking to shore things up, you always want someone like that in, in, in your kind of squad. But, uh, and furthermore, I, I think he could actually be repositioned, um, as, as a kind of holding midfielder. Um, he's got a lot, of, you know, good legs, um, great tackling stats, as I said, often kind of clean as well. Um, short passing's okay. It's just his kind of, you know, crossing, long passing. That, that's kind of a bit debatable, but what can mm. Pep do with that, you know? So maybe maybe improve him in that regard. So um, yeah, I'd take one Bissaka if he was available. But yeah, I think Fernandez, Rashford, these are all good shouts. As we've discussed, United have got some good players um, and a questionable manager, in my opinion. Um, right. Let's look generally then. Kyle, you said that at the very top about how you felt about derbies now in comparison to how you used to feel. So is it fair to say now it's more excitement rather than nerves? 
Yeah, I think from a, a footballing perspective, I look I look forward to actually seeing the managers going head to head. It's very it's very different for me. I feel because when you're young and you are just a fan, you get so wrapped up into it. Whereas now, working in football, broadcasting, and having a different view of the game at times as well, it does take out the fun aspect of derbies, the the big games mm. sometimes. Because I always try to not just see things from the Manchester City perspective. I try and look at it from a, a more neutral perspective and actually for footballing reasons, why the two teams, why each one could beat the other or why United might play a certain way, why City might uh, play different players compared to the, the midweek games. So for me, when you start to really dissect it, it takes out a bit of the fun because... The naivety and ignorance of football fans at times makes it exciting, I think. Yeah. And that's why it is quite exciting for some fans because you love your team, you're playing against your biggest rivals and that is it. And you want to beat them. Whereas I sometimes look at it a bit differently now. So that that definitely is taking the nerves out of it. Whereas when you do look at these two going head to head and where they are in the table, you look at City in seventh and United in sixth and you want to go above your rivals. That's what gets me going. How big a game this actually is in terms of Manchester City's season. Can I just ask, Kyle, does, how how you feel in the build-up to playing Liverpool, for example, is that kind of full of tension these days, whereas it, it never used to be? Yes, I think because of how the two managers are going head-to-head in a way. If you look at Klopp and you look at Guardiola, these two uh, are now could be seen as the new Arsene Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson, yeah. the, the new ones that are going really head-to-head. Obviously, I love playing against Manchester United, but it's not the big rivalry in terms of who's going to win the Premier League for me. I want to win trophies, so I want to play against our biggest rivals. That's the one where the tension comes into it. And I think that a lot of people are trying to force this rivalry between Manchester City fans and Liverpool fans. I don't think it's about hating their fans and them hating us. I think it's actually about disliking the team who could take the Premier League off us, and they have done last season. And that's kind of where that tension comes from. Is that the same with you, Lloyd? Are you kind of... I mean, from my perspective, I've got to say, I've started to look forward to derbies a lot more than I used to, Mm. whereas I really don't look forward to playing Liverpool. Well, I think the thing is, the way to think about it is, I I completely agree. The games I'm most nervous about and dread the most are against Liverpool, because they're the best team, Mm. I think, at the moment. And they also play in that kind of way that many times against Pep is semi-bin kryptonite, where, you know... They can be out of the game for mo- for for ages, and then they just produce these moments. You know, they've seemed to get refereeing decisions. I think over the last few years against us, and it's just felt a few times like oh, we can't, we literally can't buy a win. And when you throw in the Anfield factor, I mean, I've been there five times and we've never won. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a it's a horrible place to go. Um, but what, you know, when you throw in from like the early or mid noughties, not only. United, your biggest rivals in terms of their derby, they're also the best team as well. So it's like combining the two. That's why I think it was so horrible. But in a way, then we weren't as good. So it was like a free hit. So whilst I was I was nervous in those days, it's a bit like, right, well, if we, you know, 
Joey Barton's our top scorer this year with five <laughs> goals. You know, if like, if we, if we manage to beat United, if Trevelsey scores a banger or whatever at Old Trafford, you just take it because you're like, you know, I'm not expecting to do anything else. It's almost the game that you look forward to the most because, you know, when the fixtures came out in the mid noughties you're like, oh, when we play in United. Yeah. Um, whereas now, you know, I feel since Pep's been here, I go into every derby expecting to win. Like I'm expecting to, I'm expecting to win tomorrow. Like I'm, I'm going to be absolutely gutted if we don't. And I think it could be, I mean, I think it could be a bit of a disaster to be, to be all honest. If, if, if we, maybe not if we draw, but if we, if we were to lose tomorrow, I think you know, it could be awful for our Premier League chances this season. So there's a lot on the line. Um, but yeah, Lloyd, we've been the better it, team. Lloyd, is that coupled with, the fact that Manchester United have had such a big spiral downwards and that this negative kind of last, well, since Sir Alex Ferguson left, do you think that that's coupled with that because they're not actually the same Manchester United as they were when you were growing up? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're not, to me, they're not the, they're not the scary proposition that they were. I yeah. mean, Van Gaal was a bit of a, I mean, what a weird guy. Um, it just didn't inspire kind of fear in me as like an opposition manager. Um, at least, you know, slightly under Mourinho, he still had that kind of foil of, oh God, you know, he's a proven winner. Maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll think of something, do some Mourinho masterclass. I hate that phrase, but do you know what I mean? One of those. Um, Solskjaer, not the same. They just don't have, for me, they don't have that same fear factor. Yeah, I mean, Kyle referenced it before, like the, the games in the cup in like the early... 2010s when uh, Fergie was on the way out. I mean, they they were just so annoying in that era. Like he would just used to set them up so regularly just to do us. I mean, I remember one of the most annoying was that Skulls goal yeah. when it was at the Etihad yeah. when he scored in the last minute that dead header, and then it, we didn't qualify for the Champions League. I remember leaving the ground that day just being like, "Ah, I hate football. I'm done with this." Like because <laughs> you just see you just see all of them just losing their heads, you know. Right in front, right behind the goal, like oh my god! So, yeah, they just yeah for me they just don't have that same kind of total fear that that they did under under Ferguson. I think that's natural. Okay, let's let's uh, look at well try and predict the team, which is always extremely difficult with any Guardiola lineup, of course. Um, the defense, Kyle, who who could you see as a possible centre half partnership? Oh, see, this is the difficult one Sorry, right yeah, here. It no, it is because I've been thinking about this all week. All right, do you go with Laporte and, and Ruben Diaz? They've they've actually given Manchester City fans some confidence in the, yeah. the centre back partnership, or do you go with John Stones, who seems to be in Pep's good books right now? And Pep and Stones have come out and said it's about your last game, how you played, and we saw that John came on it uh, in the Champions League. Oh, all right. I'll say that it'll be Diaz and John Stones. I think they'll be the centre-back partnership. Lloyd, do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. I, I thought it was not 50-50, but I thought it was a bit of a toss-up before midweek because there's still part of me that was thinking, oh, Stones has been, honestly, Stones has been amazing yeah. these last few weeks. Yeah. I really didn't expect it. It's great to see. I don't think he's played with this authority for a very long time he looks very assured and I think that's the problem often with Stones he can look a bit unsure of himself on the ball and kind of like he makes a pass and you can tell he almost didn't want to make it or he kind of is kind of feeling for it whereas recently he's just been super kind of decisive and I think that's been it's been really obvious um but yeah before midweek I was thinking 
I don't know, I'd be tempted to throw Laporte in, you know, but Stones came on, not in ideal circumstances, obviously. And, you know, he'd been earmarked not to play that game. With his injury record, it's probably not not ideal. And he came on and he was he was excellent. He was probably potentially our best player, I'd say. So, yeah, I think from a mentality point of view, what I was concerned about, as long as, you know, the physios think he's okay to go again, I, I think he has to play. Okay, what about the full-backs, Kyle? Um, I think he'll go Kyle Walker. I think he's just, yeah, what a season he's had so yeah. far. Um, so I think Kyle Walker and then on the left side, I mean, M- Mendy's not injured, is he? There's no issues, it seems, with, with Mendy's no, kind of fitness no. right now. Windows are minor doubt and Garcia's out um, and Rodri's a, a very minor doubt. So it's pretty much a full squad to choose from. I'll say Mendy. I think he will. He will play him. And actually, if he keeps on kind of on the trajectory that he's been on, he might actually have a, a good game um, and actually be able to really penetrate Manchester United going down that left side. So yeah, Mendy and Kyle Walker. I think uh, Lloyd. Who would be your three in midfield, or who do you think Pep will go for as a three in midfield? Oh, well, I would go Ferner, Gundo. Well, no, I would go. Werner, Foden, De Bruyne, but that is never happening. So forget forget about that. That's not what I asked you. I know, I know. I'm just making it clear. Um, I think Pep will probably go Rodri, Gundogan, De Bruyne like he does in almost every game. It sounds like there's a chance that one of them, sounds like Gundo more than Rodri, might not be fit. I mean, Mm. he's doing the press conference pretty much now, isn't he, as as we're speaking. Yeah. Um, so there maybe maybe there's a chance that Ferner plays. I would love Ferner to play, um, and if if somehow we open the door for him to play by a little injury, that would be ideal. But I would be I would be surprised if anything other than that free plays. To be honest. Okay, and Kyle, um, kind of up top, you've already said that you suspect Sergio may start. Um, Mares seems to start every game at the moment. I think he's almost a given. And Sterling on the left, do you anticipate that front three or, or anyone else? I mean, again, I'd love that. And I think that him playing Aguero would be, yeah, a, a statement. But then it's Pe- then again, it's Pep Guardiola. And he came out after the game and said that Sergio will not be starting <laughs> uh, against Manchester United. So I'd love, again, I'm doing a Lloyd, I'd love Aguero to play. In my head, it makes sense for him to play against Manchester United. No, no. In my heart, it makes sense for him to play. <laughs> in my head, it'll probably be Mares, Sterling, and Torres. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, we saw that front three. Luke, what about you up front? What, what are you anticipating? You don't think Jesus will play, Kyle? Oh, see, it's difficult because obviously Phil Foden as well. Um, no, I, I don't actually. I think that he, he would go with a kind of false nine type thing with Sterling, Mares, Torres all interchanging between that middle. I wouldn't be surprised with that. I should say as well, Sergio so Aguero is fair, too to off. To be honest, on, he's too off what? Oh, he's too off uh, breaking the, uh, the Derby goal-scoring record, isn't he, Sergio? So, is he? Yeah, oh, so, so is that Rooney's? Yes. So a hat-trick would go down a treat. <laughs> oh, a hat-trick, would, a hat-trick would be all right. Yeah. Uh, what about score prediction, Lloyd? Kyle, I feel like for the I feel like for the first time in a very long time, it feels like you can almost definitely pick this eleven for this game. Mm. In that, because we've been playing midweek and we've kind of been playing an A team and a B team, it 
you'd expect, you know, that it would be... But like, yeah, I think you can probably pick the 11, you know, Walker and Mendy, that midfield three, probably Jesus, um, Mahrez and Sterling. But knowing Pep, I mean, you never know what team Pep's going to do. And he always, always generally in big games does one, at least one thing that you don't expect. So I think there's a chance he plays a false nine. I think there's a chance he might play Phil, um, even though he didn't play that well midweek. He's a City fan. I think there is something to that playing in derbies um, I think Pep knows that um, so I, yeah I don't know I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to say I think Jesus Sterling and Mares, but I think he might play Cancelo and I think that might be the the kind of boomerang right okay I, I, up front I think there'll be something that Pep can see and we can't I, I think it's going to United have definitely got a backline that can be got at and they've got weaknesses and flaws there that Pep will be able to identify far better than the layman can. And so I think his selection will revolve around that personally and, and you know, down to the attributes, the individual attributes. Who do you think then? I, I don't know because I don't know, you know, specifically what those flaws are. I could look at Harry Maguire's movement, his anticipation, his kind of, you know, his reading of danger. We've all been a miss this season, but who is best to capitalise upon that? Well, it's Sergio Aguero for me, you know, so, yeah, it is, um, it? but it depends whether he's fit or not. So, um, okay, Kyle, what about a score prediction? I'm going to say. 2-1 Manchester City. You just don't know, do you? Honestly, I'm so hesitant to actually put that out there because it could just be low scoring. It could be 1-0, like you said before, that, that both teams kind of counter each other out of the game. But yeah, hopefully City can kind of find find the back of the net a few times. I'd love a big scoring game, but I just think Pep isn't going there to, to do that. I think he'd be more than happy with just the three points in any way he can do. So, yeah, 2-1 yeah. Man City. Yeah, I, th- I think 1-0 City, but kind of, it's it's very strange. Either 1-0 City or a real thumping of United. It's kind of one of the two, really, with nowhere in between for me. Uh, Lloyd? Uh, I'm more, despite all the bravado I've provided the last 40 minutes, I am quite nervous. Um I still think we'll win. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. Um, I think two ones probably the safest bet, to be honest. Yeah. I just I'm just hope there's no stupid mad VAR oh, something that just that you know Hernandez that. in the last minute or oh why have you said this? You know, just some, just oh, he's like put that. it out there. I just hope I hope we don't have something like that. So yeah, two one is what I'm going to say. There we go. Okay, and yeah, and absolutely no VAR on either side. Just don't, <laughs> just, just turn VAR off for a derby game. That should be the, the law. Um, thank you very much for joining me today, Carl. It's been a real treat having you on, mate. It's been top. Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game. You guys have, have kind of filled me with a little bit more optimism. <laughs> I like your bravado, Lloyd. So, yeah, oh, let, let's say that into the game. <laughs> and thank you very much, Lloyd, and your bravado. Solid. No worries, mate. And thank you, as always, everyone, for listening in. Uh, We're off to bite our nails and stare down the clock. But before we get too worked up, consider this. United fans right now will be desperately hoping for an upset. They'll be dreading the very real prospect of a thumping, the humiliation of getting outclassed from the first minute to the last. Their fear will be tangible, their hope ethereal. And isn't that basically us for the first half of our lives on Derby Day? The roles are now completely reversed, and it doesn't get any sweeter than that. Take care of yourselves, everyone, and forever up the blues.